As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. The Florida Panthers remain the best team in the NHL. I don't care about the shootout loss because we here at Panther Puri do not recognize the shootout as a viable way to end games. And on top of that, did you know that Aaron Ekblad is first in the league alphabetically by first name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I did know this. I did know that. So how do we feel about uh, about the one overtime shootout loss? Nine we still 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 on a nine game point streak. I'm shocked that Barkov went forehand for his first shootout attempt of the season. I'm even more shocked that it didn't go in because I figured whatever goalie that faced a forehand Barkov shootout attempt would just self combust and completely because it goes against all scouting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, Barkov has been mediocre in the shootout for a while now. Is the scouting report out on him? Like, what's the deal? He used to be automatic, and now he's like 10%. Well, well yeah, the book is out on him. He always goes backhand. That's why I'm shocked, one, that he went forehand, and two, that he didn't score. I mean, it also wasn't his best <laughs> attempt in the, in the sense that, like, he faked the, you know, the one-hand backhand that's about a foot off the ground. That's pretty easy to fool goalies on. And he didn't really do a good job of selling it and then try to bring it back to his forehand. But by that point, he that, that time he was too close in and he would have needed, oh geez, well, who was it in there? Was it Carter Hutton in there? Or not Carter Hutton, Linus Olmark. Linus Olmark, the he other former Sabre. Yeah, he would have really needed Linus Olmark to bite on that move for him to be able to score at the forehand. Um, I don't know what's up with Barkov in the sense that like, he is easily one of the most creative players in the shootout in a very long time in NHL, or maybe even in NHL history. And he can't buy a goal anymore. And I don't know what's up with it. I would like, like to interject because Alexander Barkov's career shootout percentage is still sitting at 43.4, which is still absurdly high. <laughs> it's not, it's not really it's not absurdly high. It's averages around 30%, I think. Yeah, but that, that, like, like the jump. best shootout players are right around there. So it's so not absurd. Barkov, let's see. Let's just go since 2015-16 because that's when he had, he was five for six for an 83% year. 83%, 70%, 66%, 30% in 18-19, went 0 for 4 in 19-20, 1 for 2 in 2021, 0 for 1 so far this year. Okay. So since 15-16, he's still only ever had one season below 50%. Like, are we really that worried? Like, that's We're still nitpicking. really good. We're nitpicking. 
I mean, the, the reality matters. I, I just love how we're talking about like how oh Barkov's fallen off. Can Barkov still do it one on one with the goalie when like his career percentage is still forty three? Like, look, well, he obviously just can't. Gonna, he's just mentally not there. Patrick gonna, Kane, for reference, Patrick Kane, silky smooth hands, shootout percentage in his career thirty seven point seven. Like, come on, are we really that upset about Barkov being forty three percent? Look, I care a lot about the shootout, obviously. Everybody knows that I, I really love the shootout, and, and it's just a passion of mine to break it down. So, yeah, this matters. This definitely matters. Pavel Dotsuk, career shootout percentage, 38.9. He was just washed. He just wasn't good. <laughs> Pavel Dotsuk, bad. Was, Arguably the inspiration to Sasha Barkov's career, Pavel. Yeah, and yeah. Th- he's five percentage points higher career. Anyway, let's, let's we don't, maybe we don't recognize the, the shootout. So we've been talking <laughs> about an imaginary concept for far too long by now, and how uh, bad our franchise center is at it, despite the fact right. that he's five percentage points higher than one of the best to ever do it. So. Let's talk about that stretch, the Friday and Saturday games for the Panthers. Two overtimes, one win, one shootout loss. We saw a little bit of a different approach from Bruno than the previous coach. Uh, a little bit more ice time for Barkov. In particular, he seemed to really try to get Barkov out with Huberto whenever he could in the overtime periods. And it paid off in Detroit, obviously. And in Boston, I don't know. It seemed like they really were gassed because it was a back-to-back. I mean, we're nitpicking when talking about overtime tactics, but but overall, it, it seemed like he was definitely leaning on Barkov, and he had two of his best games of the season. So I think you can say that that was a decent decision. Yeah, I mean, it was really standing out in that last minute or two of the overtime of the Boston yep. game that the team was just completely gassed. Like, Barkov and Huber, like they were trying to find – you know, a crease where they can score, but like the legs were just gone and, and they kind of just decided, all right, we're going to play keep away. If something opens up, we'll take a chance. But if not, like we'll take it to the shootout coin flip and, and see where it goes. Um, this was a team that was like, if you look at the numbers, they probably played their two worst games of the season in terms of expected goal differential, but that's to be understood. You just lost your head coach, regardless of anything that happened 10 years ago this team clearly really liked coach Q and they just lost him. So there was of course going to be an impact. You saw it. They didn't play as well as they could. They should have against Detroit. They didn't play as well as they could have against Boston. The Panthers of five years of five years ago, probably go Owen two and look really bad after something shakes them like this. This year's Panthers got three points in four games. A lot of that is because Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight both had excellent performances but the team itself kind of, you know, I don't want to say stunk, but they just did not play as well as they were the first seven games of the season. So you had that little bit of drop off. Um, they were clearly gassed in that second overtime. And it's not like uh, Coach Bruno, Brew or Howard, whatever nickname we're going to give him, has could really go anywhere else because that second game was, a, was walking wounded. Like Bennett was out, Lundell was out, Thornton was out, like, they they brought up what's his name from to, from exactly Zach Dalpy. Zach Dalpy. Zach Dal- they brought up Zach Dalpy. That's Charlotte Checkers captain Zach Dalpy. Right, but in six minutes, uh, Coach Brew clearly saw all he needed to see, and you never saw 
Dalpy again. I think he was a minus one in six minutes. Not that we believe in plus minus here at Panther Puri, but six minutes of ice time. And that's it for Dalpy. Like you had to ride Barkov, even though it was a second of a back to back. And that's just, he was, they were gassed at the end of it. So you got yeah. into a shootout, you lost the coin flip, move on. So just looking at the game logs for Barkov's five on five ice time. So this doesn't account for the overtime minutes. Uh, Barkov, these were Barkov's two highest five on five TOI games of the season so far by a pretty significant margin. Um, he played 1630 uh, five on five in Detroit and 2024 20, uh, at five on five in Boston. Uh, that's again, just five on five, not counting power play, not counting penalty kill, not counting overtime. First of all, I want to applaud at Boston with 20 minutes of five on five ice time on the second leg of a back-to-back where he also saw his second highest ice time deployment. Uh, he was still a 61% Corsi four mm-hmm. <laughs> in Boston because Sasha Barkov is the greatest hockey player of all time. And I mean, look, if you're, if you're stepping into a head coach role and you don't have Sam Bennett and you don't have Joe Thornton and you don't have Nola Chari and I mean, no Anton Lundell either. No Anton Lundell. Like what else are you going to do? Of course, Barkov played his highest, uh, highest five on five ice time and highest overall, uh, actually second highest overall. He his uh, largest time on ice throughout the season so far was actually the home opener, uh, which makes sense because that was also an overtime game. Uh, and a game they were trailing. And a game they were trailing. Like, of course, this was Barkov's highest five-on-five game of the season so far. Like, it's it's automatic. If you're, if you're a new head coach and you have access to Sasha Barkov, you're just going to send him out there and hope for the best. Uh, there was also going to be this long break in between that game and the Thursday game against the Capitals, which poor planning by the NHL, unless the team really asked for this five-day break, which, no, it doesn't seem like they did. So that's one reason to say Bruno did what he did. Another is to say we had four centers missing. What do you want? Like, Barkov's going to be able to be competent no matter how gassed he is. And he was, clearly. Like, he's still was really tilting the ice in the Panthers' favor. And, I mean, you could say that it was their weakest game of the season from a a 5-on-5 expected goals uh, perspective, because it was. But at the same time, that's that's the first game of the season that they've played a rested team on a back-to-back, right? Right. And with all those injuries and with all the other, you know, nonsense surrounding the team, you can totally understand the performance they put in. It was still 40%. It was still respectable. You know, it was like 1.3 to 1.9 expected goals. And, you know, when Spencer Knight is playing well, you can manage that as long as you're not getting doubled up or, you know, you're allowing four or five expected goals. And they did that pretty much against the Penguins. It didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, So sometimes you can just write that out. You know, goaltending will hide a lot of issues. It will solve a lot of problems. And so far, there's really only been one game that stands out to to me as a game where the Panthers got the worst goaltending. The Arizona And that was the Arizona game, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Spencer Knight was not great in that game. He just – like that. well, the whole team was bad in the third period. 
they were up three one or I think it got to four one. It was like, all right, well, we can we can walk all over this team. Let's let's kind of you know hot dog it a little bit and see see what fancy shit we can come up with. And all of a sudden, a couple of bounces go against them, and it's a four three game. And you need the empty netter to put it away. But that's that's you know the old cliche if you got to play sixty minutes in the NHL against every team was absolutely true in that game against Arizona. They mm-hmm. Panthers let up in the third. Knight, you know, wasn't on his game, and here we go. And speaking of Arizona, I do want to say, with the uh, Hard Rock Sportsbook finally getting live, I can now count on my former Vigit strategy, now Hard Rock Sportsbook strategy, of <laughs> taking Arizona's opponent on the puck line, because I have not lost on that yet. Yeah, I you think should... I have at least five wins on the puck line for Arizona. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, for, if you're a gambler, whether it's on Vigit or on you know, Hard Rock Sportsbook, you can make yourself a decent amount of money parlaying puck line against Arizona and, and uh, Chicago every night that they play. Yeah. That's a good idea. I should start doing that. Not to spend like all of my life fawning over Sasha Barkov, even though I'm going to, I just want to say one more thing about that Bruins game. Uh, again, we have to frame this context. Second leg of a back-to-back in which the first leg he played 25 minutes total Alexander Barkov, that 61%, and I'm sure anyone who watched the game is obviously fully aware of this, that 61% Corsi 4, most of his ice time was against Marshawn Bergeron and McAvoy. The perfection line. Well, Pasternak's a little further down. He spent more time against Craig Smith. Yeah, because Pasternak was demoted in that game, which was interesting. I just, just, like, Barkov was on the second leg of a back-to-back. The Bruins were rested. Barkov was coming off one of his highest time on ice games of the season, and he still utterly dominated Bergeron, Marchand, and McAvoy. Well, I mean, that's not that impressive because we all know that Charlie Coyle is the Bruins' best player. That's a very good point. Fair. But yeah. At least he was that night. He, w- he was good. He was really good. <laughs> but the main point is all of that stuff going on, all the injuries, three out of four points on a road back-to-back, that's how good this Panthers team is. Even all of everything going on, yes, they got outplayed, expected goals, but the team is more than good enough to make up those gaps. And holy shit, like three out of four is you take that every back to back this yeah. season, and you're you're setting records. And I know that the Red Wings were historically bad two years ago, but this is a team that's clearly not that bad. They're going to be competitive every single night. They've got guys that can light yeah. it up. Ciders like legit, like might already be a top pairing defenseman. Raymond is legit, already a top six forward, maybe even a top line forward. And you throw that onto any NHL team that didn't finish last in their division last year because LOL Columbus Blue Jackets, and they're going to be pretty, pretty feisty. And they might be in the wild card conversation come the end of the year, even. And then Boston, obviously, that's a tough game for the Panthers historically. Yeah. You know, you, you take a point there in normal circumstances. The Panthers are 1-0-1 against Boston so far this year. Yeah. Against the team that they have had trouble with forever. Yeah, there's really... Very exciting. Yeah, there's really nothing <laughs> nothing bad you can say about it right now. Like, we're nitpicking Barkov's shootout moves as negatives for this team right now. So I think that that's pretty much all we can say about those games. Uh, so let's move on to the current context if you guys think it's a, a decent idea. 
Yeah. Lindell will be back against Washington, which is yeah. very good for my fantasy team. Yeah. That's the headliner. So we're, we're, looking at, we're looking at an interesting lineup for the Panthers coming up for this, uh, this upcoming stretch, or at least like as long as some of the guys are expected to be out. So we are looking at, let's start on defense actually, because I think that's where you're getting the most fluctuation. Uh, we're expecting, obviously, Ekblad Uyghur is going to be the top pairing because both those guys are healthy. It looks like Gudis is going to miss the game on Thursday, and he might be out for a little longer. I don't think he's on injured reserve, though, so I'm sure the expectation is he'll be back into the lineup soon enough. Uh, so Brandon Montour is going to be moving up to the second pairing to play with uh, Forsling, and we're going to have to see how that goes because I'm a little scared for that. It's it's going to be interesting because both those guys are kind of uh, they kind of make up for mistakes with their speed, and we'll see if that if that can't work together as a yin and a yang. If you have two yangs or two they're, yins, yeah, they're, that's not a yin yang pairing. Yeah, that's that's they play pretty similarly. <laughs> I I have a feeling that that second pairing is going to allow more than one breakaway tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are further absences on the back end. Uh, Marcus Nuduvara is not expected to be available. So we're looking at a third pairing of Kevin Connaughton and former junior Panther set to make his debut, Chase Prisky. I, I saw that he was, uh, that Connaughton was taking reps with Prisky and Yule Levy, though. Is it confirmed think- that Prisky is going to be in? Nothing. That's what we're looking yeah. at. Nothing's confirmed. Yeah, but that's what we're that's sure. what we're looking at. I would say seventy five that percent that and twenty five percent maybe maybe. Either you know, way, uh, a Panthers uh, a there will be a defenseman making his Panthers debut tomorrow, be it Prisky or Yule Levy. One of them will be making a Panthers debut. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be Prisky, considering he's been in the organization longer. Um, <laughs> what? He By had like the six months. <laughs> no, no, it's been longer than that. It's been longer. Oh, longer. right. I forgot about a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That but that year didn't happen. So he's yeah. also, you know, local. I'm board. just thinking back to February and whoops. Nope. Trocek was traded a year ago. <laughs> and he also got the local the story of local boy home right. game. Like it just makes all the sense uh, that it would be Prisky. Trade for Andrew Peak. He's not very good. I hate to say it because he's from Parkland. That's not, not the point, TJ. He's not very good. I mean, if they're going I for want, anyone, it needs to be Chikrin. I want a defense. I yeah. want a defense of Chikrin, Gostas Bear, Peak, Prisky, and two other people. I don't Quinn care. Hughes and fuck it, Jack and, Hughes. And Jack Hughes, yeah. <laughs> but they're not from South Florida. Like they're they're from Central Florida. Fair enough. Uh, what, what's the here. what's the name of the guy on Minnesota? Brandon Duhame or something like that? I have no idea who you're talking about. He's from about. Coral Springs. Really? Yeah. How did I miss the wild having a kid from Coral Springs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you can look that up. So uh, new going on to. defense. Uh, in terms of the forwards, first line is going to continue to be that uh, Barkov and Verhage and Duclair line. Second line, we're going to get a look of Sam oh, Reinhart, two C, twenty-one-year-old Brandon Duhame, Coral Springs, Florida. Back on topic. Yeah. It- you know, you always, forward, though. you always yeah. want to say you don't lose your, uh, your starting spot because of injury. It's, you know, the, the old football analogy, but 
yeah, this Reinhardt Huberto pairing has the potential to be really dynamic. Yeah. And Sam Bennett could see himself on the third line if it goes even better than the Bennett Huberto connection. That's obviously not a shot at uh, Sam Bennett as this podcast is known to take in the past, mm-hmm. even though I think we're all converted at this. I don't point. know what you're talking about. We never did anything. You can't prove shit. Sam Bennett on an individual level with the contributions, especially on the penalty kill, which I don't know if he ever really had any success in the penalty kill. Although he, he just have a pretty mixed NHL career prior to coming to Florida in general, but the the penalty kill has really been a revelation for him this year. He's been very strong there, but just, just overall the Huberto Bennett tippet line, has not really been working this year and has been covered up by shooting percentage and save percentage. Their expected goals are routinely like the weakest link in terms of like the four lines, they tend to get shelled the most. So I'm curious to see if Reinhardt Huberdeau Tippett will be better. And maybe it's just that Tippett isn't top six player. I've been skeptical about that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I want to blame Tippett because it feels easier, but. I don't know. Wow, I look at know. that, TJ. Huberto Bennett Tippett is the only the only forward group that spent significant time together below 50% expected goals. See? Fun fact, the best uh the best line that the Panthers have iced uh minimum 20 minutes together is actually Marchment, Lestarinen, and Reinhardt, which actually, yeah, that's not surprising because Marchment and Reinhardt together are a lot of fun, especially when you uh, when you add uh, Anton Lundell back into the mix. I lied. Apparently, Marchman Lundell Reinhardt is literally the worst line we've iced so far this season. But no, but they they've had so much defensive zone starts. True. That you, you can't really like punish them for it. Whereas Huberto Bennett Tippett is getting a lot of offensive zone starts and still kind of treading 43. water at best. Yeah, forty-three point five percent. They've definitely Alex, eased Bar- they've definitely eased Barkov's load in terms of defensive responsibilities, which I think is why you're seeing him be so dynamic offensively so far this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Reinhardt will be a better fit with Huberto, although like we've seen how good Huberto and Bennett have been. Things can be strange. You can just find chemistry when you didn't expect it. Hence Lundell Reinhardt just instantly hitting it off. Right, right. And that honestly, okay. Crackpot theory. Okay. All right. Here's here's my crackpot theory, just to like make best friends connections work well. Just swap Marchman and Tippet if it's not working and go Huberto Reinhardt Marchman. I bet yeah, that why would not? work. I why not? Because I mean, Reinhardt and Marchman are time. really good together, and then Jonathan Huberto is not gonna drag that down. Yeah, I mean you're gonna just send out Marchment to essentially be like the hound dog and like go after the puck. And then Huberto can play make for Reinhardt who can, you know, get a shot away instantly in front of the net. And right. there you and go. Then, and then you'll have Gus Forsling and Brandon Montour pinching at the same time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all going to work or not. <laughs> or it'll be an absolute disaster. <laughs> In conclusion, it's, be, it's literally going to be five Panthers behind the net at the same time. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna be excellent. You know, we're, we're sorry. I take it back. It. Four Panthers behind the net at the same time, and Sam Reinhardt right in front of the goalie. That's what it's gonna look like. 
So look forward to the game against the Capitals when Alex Ovechkin passes whoever the hell is next on the list. I don't even care how many goals are in between them. 25 goals. (laughs) I have no idea either. I was just. I think he's actually close to the next player. I think the next one might be Yager, by the way. The next one is Brett Hall. He's only two back. An Ovi hat trick. Yeah. An Ovi hat trick puts him fourth all time. Now I'm conflicted because I kind of want to see it. But also, I kind of don't want to see it tomorrow. No, what's going to happen is it's going to be a 5-3 win for the mm-hmm. Panthers. Mm-hmm. Ovi is going to have his hat trick, but the Panthers are still going to win. There you go. Everyone, every, everybody wins, except for the rest of the Capitals. <laughs> <laughs> and Ovi, technically. No, but he'll have passed. Yeah, but he'll... It, like... the... By the way, speaking of... Uh of dumb things well i guess in ovechkin's case it's not dumb but i think barkov is also a hat trick away from taking over the panthers all-time goals lead i believe that is true um so dueling hat tricks between ovechkin and barkov tomorrow night lots of history uh let's move on to the bottom six which also has its fair uh, share of intrigue because it looks like we're going to see marchment loose and ahl call-up maxime mammon set to make his re-debut See, for the AHL call-up or former NHL player? He's a call-up. Former KHLer. That's true. But he's also a former NHLer. Siska Moscow legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Florida Panthers right, legend. Are you kidding me? He's right up there with Kiske Honda. <laughs> oh, Kiske Honda. I yeah. love him. Maxine Miller, I, forever oh, I in the Bakuru doghouse. TJ, you know how much I you, you know how how much I liked uh, Milan when Siska I first Moscow. started. No, forget this. Well, Seder Dumbia, man. In FIFA 12, yeah. Seder Dumbia could fucking slalom any pace. defense and do his own thing. But when Milan bought Kiske Honda, mm-hmm. it made my fucking week. I don't even remember what week it was. I don't know what For- year it was, but like, oh, when Kiske Honda went to Milan, I was so happy. Shout out For to those John of you Carlo. who don't know, uh, Jake is a AC Milan fan. Not as much anymore. Ah, uh, unless John Carlo, unless John Carlo is listening, in which case, yes, I still am. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the greatest man to ever set foot on a soccer pitch. Well, that's not debatable. I mean, <laughs> you got to love the Zlatan. Oh yeah, I mean, I would, I would take him on the Panthers. Honestly, I, I feel like he could be effective. <laughs> Probably, he would find even, a way, even at his age. He's huge. <laughs> I mean. Come on, just park him in front of the net. He's going to find a way to score. Can we can we send Patrick Hornquist down and sign six foot five Zlatan Ibrahimovic instead? I don't care that he's forty. Here, here's the one thing I'll say about Mammon getting the call up. Like he he was a oh, productive right. NHL player. <laughs> he was a guy that definitely could help drive play. His scoring numbers weren't particularly impressive, but you don't really need that from somebody on the the bottom six. You just need to make sure that they're driving play in the right direction. And that's something he's done consistently. But um, from what I saw in the preseason and what I've continued to see in the AHL, I think that Logan Hutsko deserves a, a real look. So that's the one thing I would say, like Mammon over Hutsko. Not sure I would have made that choice, but it's definitely one that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they wanted a bottom six guy and Hutsko's not that. I guess so. But, you know, this is the third line we're talking about. And then we've got another fourth line. Uh, of uh, you Lundell know, like... and Hutzko, though. Oh, it's Lundell. That's right. I'm sorry. Lundell, not Lusterina. Lusterina is going to be on the fourth line because Lundell, Hutzko, Marchment would be the official line of the Panther Puri podcast. Well, once we interview Marchment and Lundell. 
No, that's not what I mean. I mean, oh, okay. I mean just like our essence. <laughs> right. Plus a former guest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> former I mean. guest, podcast official son, and Mason Marchman, my favorite bottom sixer ever. A good right. player trapped in a bad player's body. That's right. Best analysis of all time. Thanks, Reese Jessup. Thank you, Reese. <sighs> and uh, yeah, then the fourth line, which still has Frank Petrano on it with E2. And I guess Lomberg is going to be playing because Joe Thornton is still out. Am I missing anybody? I, I'm guessing it's going to be Lomberg. No, Lomberg's an extra skater. Yeah. Lomberg's extra skater. Who's on the fourth line then? It's uh, left. Lusterinen, um mm-hmm. Vetrano. Vetrano and Hornquist. Oh, Hornquist. That's who I forgot. Yeah, I know. It's hard to remember he's on the roster so far <laughs> this year. He's been completely invisible. We we would put Zlatan in the same situations who that we're putting Hornquist in right that now. Coming. Yeah. I, I wonder, guys, is there is there a podcast out there who who would have predicted that Hornquist would probably have value in like year one of his time at the Panthers, but would immediately and harshly drop off following that? Is did did anyone say that? Because I honestly I I don't remember if anyone could have could could have predicted that or did so in a recorded audio format can you guys would think you of trade hornquist for matheson right now Fuck embrace no. debate i'm not no, actually asking the answer is no i'm not actually of the asking. contracts i'm not actually asking look okay. yes like he wouldn't he wouldn't fit in with this team although maybe he might i don't know actually look and before he, this episode comes out sorry alex i just have to make one more quick joke <laughs> um before this episode comes out i might do a uh a would you rather with the rapham charts for march or for uh matheson and hornquist and just just see what happens let's do it Embrace because today. i bet i bet matheson's single season rapham is better than hornquist's right now wouldn't wouldn't surprise me uh yeah i don't even know what i was saying when you cut me off jacobs now you uh, ruined it. it's not that much better <laughs> I, I yeah, Seth I Jarvis did score his first NHL goal. TJ, nice little our oh, our, uh, our general manager Acumen. Look at that because yeah. we both mock drafted him. You remember? Because mm-hmm. Anton Lundell went before twelve in both of our mock drafts. Yep. <laughs> uh, actually, this is an interesting. I honestly actually don't know who I would rather. So this this actually could be a very interesting. Would you rather? Matheson is actually having a very good year defensively. Oh, Matheson has absolutely improved since leaving the Panthers. And a lot of that's just so interesting. He was so mentally shot. He needed a change of scenery. Like he's not a bad player. Like he's just mental. Like he was, he's never going to be an elite hockey IQ player, but his mental state was just so battered. He went from a below average hockey IQ player to one of the worst in the NHL. And that was about it. Um, Mike so, Sullivan. Okay. If Mason Marchman coach. is a good player trapped in the body of a bad player, is Matheson a bad player trapped in the body of a good player? Yeah. You know what? That makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to go with it. That's absolutely correct. Because, right, like, Jake. the skill, the physical skills are there, but the hockey IQ sometimes very much is not. Yep. You're, you're just spitting straight facts right now. I, I really have nothing to refute you. Um, so that's what the lineup looks like right now. We're going to have to see when Bennett gets back in because he's not on IR. Budis not on IR. Ulevi's still on IR. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's is Oli Ulevi is he a real person? Does Oli Ulevi exist? I don't think so. I think he does. He exists in a virtual space. Uh, I'm just primarily I'm just primarily owned by Epic Games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next on the show, Jeff Merrick. Oh. No, I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. We do, we, guys, we do have He a, just bumped us because of that comment. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we it's do have good. a great guest coming for you guys. Hopefully, we can nail it down. Hopefully, and, yeah. Hopefully. You know, Eric res- Branson, tell-all yeah. interview, discussing his time with the Panthers. Yeah, because if there's any bit, uh, if there's any Panthers podcast that he's going to join, it's Definitely ours. Definitely mm-hmm. ours. Shout out to Eric Branson. Provided having... he listens to zero of our previous episodes, which in fairness, he probably has. Shout out to him, though. He's having a very good season. He actually is. It's really upsetting. Well, he usually starts <laughs> out upset. like... But that's, but that's Eric Branson. He usually starts out like pretty decently, and everyone's like, oh, why did everyone hate him? He's not so bad. And then about halfway through the season, it's like, oh, this is why. Okay, so do I provide any context in this? Would you rather, or would that make it too obvious? Are you gonna you're you're gonna crop out their names? Yeah, I'm gonna crop out the names, but do I want to say like one's a defenseman with two points in five games, the other's a forward with two points in nine games? Chris has points. I thought he had zero. He's probably got some power play points. I guess on this team, when everyone's scoring points, like it's not that impressive. I guess. The Panthers the score has really been down. Do, do I want to add that context, or would that, or would that make it? Yeah, it's too obvious, especially. This is for already our context, so I guess like the cat is out of the bag. Well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out and basically set it for like an eight hour timer. So like no one's gonna have listened to this before that before the poll ends, or gotcha. will they have? Anyway, uh, we're looking at. As we've discussed, Washington, where Ovi and Barkov will both score hat tricks, then Carolina on Saturday. And while we're recording, they're playing the Blackhawks, and they're currently trailing, so they might not be undefeated on Saturday. Yay! But the Panthers, if they do come back and beat the Blackhawks, which is entirely possible, Blackhawks, bad team, uh, the Panthers could have the chance to knock them off their perch, and that would be very satisfying. Yeah, especially after that uh, tweet from the, the Carolina main account saying best team in the NHL when they hit 8-0. And I was like, uh, wait a second. You were the second hit 8-0. And the team that hit it first still has an extra point than you. So, fuck off. Yeah, so uh, Panthers 81-0-1. Can the Hurricanes say that? Probably not. Nope. They can say... Panthers have more points. Carolina's points percentage is technically better, but fuck them. Shh. I mean, a nine four four points percentage. It's their, all their right. Panthers are still been, on pace for one hundred fifty four points this season. Their schedule has they also been <laughs> pretty soft. Carolina. They've played Montreal. They've played Arizona. They've played Toronto. I know Toronto's supposed to be good, but they weren't playing well at the time. Uh, I know they played some other weak teams, so I'm I'm not that impressed by the way that they've started the season. But yeah, Freddie Carolina Anderson looks good. Carolina schedule has been really soft. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse, guys. The Panthers could have a .050 points percentage. That's a real thing. Yeah, uh, shout out to Arizona. They're a team, apparently. They're a team. Uh, I've been told. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if I believe it at this point. Uh, Get your bets against them on the puck line. Like I said, until Vegas figures this out, it's going to be free money. 
free money for all of you. And if you lose money on it, don't blame me. I don't take any responsibility. Yeah, this is not gambling advice. Early results or legal advice. uh, Have Matheson ahead. Interesting. (laughs) Well, I mean, then again, like it's it's like TJ. You asked who would we rather have right now, and I said I'd rather have Hornquist strictly because of the contract. Yeah. So if 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 it's like we got a fantasy camp game tomorrow, and you can either have Hornquist or Matheson on your team for those sixty minutes, you're gonna take Matheson. I take Matheson. Yeah. Yeah. Not a difficult decision. And like, like we said, not, not in a Panthers uniform because I think he's allergic to the Panthers uniform at this point. Yeah, oh, yeah. you got you to gotta have some sort of different uniform. But like if we have a Panther Parade branded uniform and we were drafting it <laughs> too yeah. close. Yeah, it would color just have to match. be a different color scheme. Well, we could just do the original PTP color scheme with the light blue, the dark blue, and the red. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Seattle's jerseys. Seattle stole our color scheme. Dang it jerks uh, one last thing about Hornquist. I, I i think alex said it uh when we were recording over the offseason about all these contracts and you know the inevitable crunch that's coming up Horn, this is hornquist last year on the team barring something ridiculous and unforeseen he's just gotta go next year it, it just doesn't work even if he has a resurgence and is a valuable player then you, you just trade him. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, but like, well, you're trading him no matter what, but like either way, you cannot keep trading him or buying him out. Right. You just can't keep his cap. It. It's that. Yeah. It just doesn't what, work. What is the buyout calculator? If we buy out Hornquist, on it's June not bad. 15th, it's clean. It's clean. He doesn't have any signings or any salary differentiation. So uh, any buyout of uh, his uh, last year, you would only be paying one third of it. But million, paying it. just shy of a million eight for two seasons. Yeah, so that's much more manageable than the five point and five point three for one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe different, that's different from the Yandel buyout because we are going to have to pay Keith Yandel five million dollars against the cap next summer. Yeah, that one that one really hurts, especially since Yandel. Look, we can laugh about the giveaway against the Panthers all we want. He's oh my god, that was having great. a he's having a decent season. Like I have to admit, yeah. He's putting up points. He's got decent uh, play driving numbers at five on five. For nine twenty five, he's been he a looks like signing. he's having a pretty pretty Yandel's uh, pretty Yandel year. Like his wrapping chart looks pretty similar to what I would expect, except actually he's been garbage on the power play, which is his bread Weird. and butter. So wow, that is strange. I don't know. Philly's just Philly. Nine twenty five. Yeah. He he's putting up decent numbers, and I mean, like Sandheim is like. 39% expected goals. Rasmus Ristolainen, comma. And uh, so, you know. In, in I just can't that. believe, like, I summer 2021, man, when Philadelphia added both Yandel and Ristolainen to their roster. What a time. But they also added Ryan Ellis. So like, They were the first team to beat the Oilers. That's, I mean, that's so also weird. funny. Well, I mean, is it really that big of a deal when the Oilers are garbage outside of, like, a player and a half? I think the Oilers are now pretty balanced. I like what they've done. Like Warren Fogel adds a third line element that they didn't have before. And that's true. I do like Warren Fogel. The defense is surprisingly not terrible so far. We'll see about that. Let's see where they fall in the, uh, you know, they are fourth in, uh, in total team Gar. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is that power play. I'm sure. Let's see where they are in even. Even strength offense guard, their seventh. Even strength defense guard, ooh, twenty fifth. 
Not surprising, though. I, I think that Ryan Lambert described it on Puck Soup as them outscoring their problems, and that's what they're going to do all year. So that's why well, they're one when, of the best. When you have the luxury of Connor McDavid. <laughs> that's why they're one of the best ESPN Plus teams in the league. Fair. If you got ESPN Plus and you have an opportunity to watch an Oilers game, I would recommend it. It's fun. So just for uh, another quick poll update, uh, 27 votes. Uh, Matheson up by a margin of 74% to 26%. That's, pr- that's pretty uh, decisive so far. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so let's close on the Jack Eichel rumors. It seems like there's some pretty big names now coming out in these trade talks. Looks like it's just down to the Flames and the Golden Knights, although for a little while, maybe like a month, maybe a month and a half, it really didn't seem like any other team was in the mix. Maybe the Wilds, but they have too many cap issues. So we've heard Matthew Kachuk's name thrown out there. We've heard Shea Theodore's name thrown out there, along with all the prospects and picks that you can imagine those teams would be able to send. Uh, what are we thinking about how the saga is unfolding? Well, well just real quick, because while we've been recording this podcast, uh, Andy Strickland said that Kachuk is absolutely not part of a potential Eichel offer. So his name has been thrown out there today and talked about ad nauseum to, yeah, he's not in the deal at all. Maybe that's uh, Calgary backpedaling because the name got out or that's, you know, or it, it, it's really the truth either way. Um, this thing just keeps getting wilder and wilder. Like how is, how are we at 11, 2021 and Jack Eichel still hasn't been traded. Like because the Sabres want to make sure they actually get value back for him. But will they? I mean, it, well, I don't, I don't know if you can call Matthew Pachuk a, Kachuk a great asset in the sense that he is a very good player, wait, Jacob, but he's a restricted free agent in the same exact situation that Sam Reinhart was. And if he wants to go to market, all he's got to do is sign a one-year $9 million qualifying offer, and he's a UFA. So you're essentially – your main piece could essentially be gone in a year – so you either have to flip him or, you know, you hope he stays and, and then he See, walks. See, now there's or... an idea, though. If the Sabres really want to fucking rebuild, get out from underneath the Eichel contract, get Matthew Kachuk in, flip him at the deadline for the sun and the moon, and then use those assets to rebuild your team. Is that really such a bad way to go? It's not a bad way to go, but you're still... It's like, a weird way to go. You're still taking your premium asset trading it for spare parts and a, a good asset and then trading that good asset for spare parts. Like you need to be, you need to be getting the max value for your future team in this first trade. Well, now, I mean, look at turn. what, look at what Montreal turned Max Pacioretty into. They got Nick Suzuki, who is a first line center, maybe not a top, 10 center, maybe not ever going to be a top 10 center. Maybe not a top 10 center. Nick Suzuki is not a top 10 He's center. not a top 10 center. I was just being kind. But um, definitely a great pickup. And they almost got, they also got Tomash Tatar, who was a very effective player for them for years. So that's something that they could be looking at getting in the cycle deal if they get a guy like Kachuk, although I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think they're going to get Shea Theodore either, but uh, it does look like this thing is. Maybe like I've, I've been misled on the Jack Eichel saga too many times to say it looks like it might be coming to an end, but I yep. guess it could happen. We've been, we've been saying it's coming to an end for like two weeks straight now. And it a just lot keeps of wishful thinking, a lot of wishful thinking. Yeah. I mean, the reality is no one has the cap space and no one wants to help. No one wants to eat five, 
No one has the cap space to take Eichel straight up. Buffalo refuses to retain and no one wants to help, you know, with, you know, retain some cap space as part and, and get a sweetener because it's five years. No one wants five years of retention on the books. Right. So that's, that's what's holding this up. That's why the deal with Vegas hasn't gotten done yet. Um, I'll just repeat what I, what I said that I don't, I, I think you got to be thinking like the Max Petrati deal, TJ, you got to know the right. Like Nick Suzuki was the headliner of that trade. Tom, Thomas Attar was like a, a throw in that like you hoped you could get some value of and you probably could have flipped him if you wanted. However, Montreal decided not to and they got good value out of him. But like you cannot you're, you cannot be looking to flip the main piece you got in the deal because you're going to end up losing that trade. You're going to end up losing both trades and, and you're going to look bad. At this point, though, they've already lost any potential Jack Eichel trade unless they really pull some rabbit out of a hat, and I, and I don't see it happening. It's just uh, one of the weirdest sagas in NHL history, but this kind of thing used to be a little bit more common with, like, the Lindros saga. Beret. Yeah, and there, there's a bunch of other examples. That Fedorov. You yeah. But that one got resolved. I mean, they all got resolved. But well, I mean, but were... I mean, like Fedorov, like he held out, demanded a trade. He, he wanted to come to the Panthers for a little bit, but then he ended up staying in Detroit. Sunny Isles Beach. Yep. You know, Carolina has taken a lead on Chicago. Ooh, Shocking. Not a surprise that Chicago blew their lead. How is uh, Seth Jones doing tonight? Probably not that great. <laughs> I bet he's playing like shit. <laughs> Boys, I got a curveball to close it out. Let's talk about the Miami Heat. They look Ooh. outstanding. Who? Miami Heat. Jones is sitting uh, at 36% expected goals for tonight. So, That's t- good, right? so Kyle Lowry, oh, no, a better offseason acquisition than Seth Jones, and they didn't even need to give up a first-round pick <laughs> Two. or second-round pick. Oof. Or another first-round pick. Or, Hold on. Or, real, or, real quick, Seth Jones is like he's having the worst kind of Keith Yandel year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely what kind of season he's having. But uh, Tyler Hero also looks like a brand new player. I mean, yeah, good t- lord! Tyler Hero put in the work this off season. Like, oh, holy yeah. shit, dude looks like a second Jimmy Butler, but also like can shoot from three. Yeah, I was gonna say a Jimmy Butler that can shoot. Like, like Tyler Hero looks like bu- uh, bubble Tyler Hero again, and yeah, it's just fun to watch. Like, I've been like I, I the, there was the first Heat game since you know the sports book opened, and I was like, oh, am I gonna throw some money on the Heat? And I'm like. Eh, because there's a promo. Yeah, we had the loss. same thought. We had so the I'm same like, thought. Am I, I going to do this on the Heat? Because you're essentially get a hundred dollar free roll until you lose. But I'm like, they're on the road, like, and it's Dallas, and you know, Doncic yeah, is arguing with Luca, like he could go off, and then they it just does. blew the doors off Dallas. Yeah. And I'm just like, God damn, they're good. And I and I and I posted about this on Twitter. They've won five games in a row by thirteen plus. Yeah. That's they did it 10 total nutty. times last season, and they've already done it five. But the I mean, important they, they question is, like... when will Victor Oladipo come back from his injury? He's a few months away still. Fuck. Because I'm not I mean, going to care an until Oladipo is back. You enter, once you put him into the rotation, you really have a lot of tremendous options. Well, and yeah, I mean, you you bringing back the best player in the NA, in the NBA into your roster, yeah, that's going to have a pretty big impact. Right, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, imagine like... Kyler Hour's better. alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah speaking of the promos for the hard rock sports book i threw their like uh 25 nba parlay with uh the free 10 bet 
And it, it, it turns out I hit on the parlay because I had uh, Sixers and the Clippers. So I made $74 out of $25. So, so far, so good. Sports gambling, you know, it, it really pays off all the time. Yeah. Uh, you can't uh, lose if you don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm just smarter than the bet, the bookies. I'm just really intelligent. I, I feel like we, we need to put a disclaimer here. We this is not, not gambling advocating advice. advocating for, for gambling. Like, that's not. If you have a gambling doing. problem, call 188-ADMIT-IT. Yeah. No, I I, 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 I have never agree. in my life put real money down on sports other than fantasy hockey. Like, this is and not, that's, and I guess fantasy football also, but like I, we are not advocating for gambling. I am, I, t- I would like to take back what I said for any means other than comedic purposes. Yeah, no, look, that's totally what I was intending, but it, it is fun if you have the extra money to throw around, you know, put a few bucks here and just have a little bit more skin in the game, make it a little bit more enthralling. The we do not recommend this, TJ. We do not recommend this. As the lawyer, we are not recommending this. This is entertainment purposes only. So is sports gambling. It's just entertainment. You pay for TJ, increased listen to the attorney. We are not recommending putting so, money on sporting events. I will entertainment say the, purposes the, one only. Time, the one time that I was genuinely considering putting money on uh, – on on sports betting was a seven to one odds parlay that i would have hit on dang you know what that's that just goes to show sports gambling always pays off (laughs) not gonna lie guys i really want to put a parlay of heat and panthers to win it all oh man that would be so fun if you hit it that would be great except wait no it wouldn't because we are not advocating for gambling well it was just entertainment just do it on bigot just just do it there on Vigit because that's how we bring this back around. Yeah, I'll do it on Vigit. Um, yeah, definitely on Vigit, guys, with entertainment purposes only money on Vigit. Uh, but unfortunately, because of this two-week delay, the Panthers went from like 20 to one to win the cup to like three to one to win the cup. Uh, so that yeah. parlay is no longer they're uh, the president's trophy favorites. Yeah. Well, they're nine four four point percentage and nine games into the season. Like that's pretty good. And other news, guys, um, Connor McDavid has another three-point game. Oh, my God. That man can't be stopped. Has anyone ever run away with the Art Ross within the first, like, three weeks of the season? McDavid last year. (laughs) Although, Ovi is, like, right there. That's true. That's the one strange thing. Alex Ovechkin is having the best start to a season of his career at age 36. (laughs) That man wants Gretzky's record. Dreisaitl has the same amount of points right now, I I think. As editor's note, editor's note, I need to apologize. It was Warren Fogle who had the assist, not McDavid. I got the Uh, 90s confused. I saw a nine double-digit number. I'm like, oh, that's got to be McDavid. And yeah, this game. This game is just goals every every time I look to my right. I mean, that's what the Oilers are. They're either giving up or scoring a goal every time you look at the at the TV. And that's why I recommend watching them on ESPN Plus whenever the Panthers aren't playing. Yeah, Nashville started their backup goalie, which is just not fair. David Riddick, right? No, it's like some guy whose name I've never heard of. Wow, so David Riddick's not even helping. Yeah, it's not even Soros or Riddick, yeah. I saw um, them play Soros against Calgary yesterday. Oh, what was I just about to say? It was like something. I'm sure it was. Oh, <laughs> how do we think that Connor McDavid will break 200 points this year? 
No. No, but I think he hits 150. 150, which would be I, insane in today's I agree NHL. With that. Like he's going to go for it at the end of the year. Like, yeah. Once it for gets record, in his sights. For context, for anyone who is unaware, Wayne Gretzky is the only player in NHL history to have a 200 point season. Yeah. Mario Lemieux got to 199 once, but Gretzky is the only player to ever break 200. But that was a different NHL. That was, I mean, you had like Timu Solani's rookie year putting up 60 plus goals. Like, it was just a different NHL. I believe back it then. was seventy-two goals. To be I precise. believe so, yeah. Goals. yeah, seventy-two goals from a rookie. Like it's just—it was just a different NHL. I mean, stand Anton up Lundell is right here. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna do it. Seventy-three goals. Yeah, just just go oh, and watch some stand-up goals from the eighties. It 80s. was seventy-six goals actually. So the seventy-three goal campaign by Lundell is gonna be really disappointing for that reason. Yeah. So he needs to score seventy-seven goals, but I say he doesn't. Yeah, I say McDavid breaks 200 points, Lindell hits 77 goals, and the Panthers go 82 0 1 or 81 0 1. Yeah, let's just these, give these them are an all extra things game. that are happening. The Heat also going 81 0 1, just for the record. Or 81 0 1, there's no ties, there's no overtime losses, even though well, technically wasn't OCL. Gonna, the Heat gonna... will somehow transcend the rules of the NBA and go 81 0 1. Look, I, I'm going to count the overtime losses as separate. The, the O and one, brain. yeah, the, the O and one, Alex, is uh, the the game of knockout, uh, which is which happens after one overtime period in the NBA now. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the new rules, but and it was a double OT loss, so I must have they, been. A they, game yeah, they, they they've changed uh, NBA overtime to three <laughs> on three now, also. Yeah, it's, it's it's now it's a five minute three on three overtime followed you know they by a game of do knockout. That. Fuck it. NBA three, three, on three on three, three overtime. Three, I was about to say three on three hockey, although that would also yeah, be they should definitely not do that because they would all those guys would just fall on their ass and no one would, score which would be ever. hilarious. It would be funny, but there would be a lot of injuries. <laughs> all right, so we're also going to start the campaign for the NBA to change its OT rules to five minutes of three on three followed by a game of knockout. Yeah, you know what? I'm in favor. <laughs> no, it should be horse. Horse. <laughs> I agree. Horse. Ooh. Actually, no, I don't know. Knockout, knockout's higher stakes. Horse is too long, pig. Knockout, knockout has more. Uh, I, I feel like knockout is more stressful. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's free throws, and like all you need is like Steph Curry, and it's like, all right, you, you're winning knockout. Just, just the ever. Oh, uh, so each... you're saying that a player should be just absolute money on uh, in this skills competition? Yeah, free throws. Steph Curry shoots like ninety five percent on his free throws. Is that good? You know what, guys? It's pretty good. Each team should just send out so its from best the dunker line. and just have a dunk contest. <laughs> there you go. The That's the winner. That's the winner. So the Bulls just need to take every single game to OT and then just send Zach Levine in to just do the rest. It is Zach Levine because how... I know someone's going to say that. Yeah, is it? I thought it was actually pronounced Levine. I think it is Levine. It's Levine. Anyway, <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> Yeah, right. we yeah. need to wrap this shit up. Comment below whether it's Levine or Levine. I don't know what we're commenting below because this is a podcast, not a YouTube video. But what are, they, right. ra- what are they rating us five stars on this time? Please Jason? add us to your top eight on MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> rate five stars on Rate My Teacher. We did rate yeah. my professor last time, so rate my teacher did this we? time works. Yes, okay. well, you weren't here. Oh, right, right. Please, please leave us an endorsement. On you guys LinkedIn. exist without me? No, it was a fiction of your imagination. We definitely recorded a podcast without you. Uh, but Thanks yeah. again for Goodbye. everybody. <laughs> Just hanging on to our ramblings. And yeah. we're done. Bye. <laughs>
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 